RTD Live Talk, Monday night, the ninth day of the month of September. We're live. And so I figure I'll cut the long intro and go right into it. And so um, give it a second before I begin uh, this live stream. But I want to welcome everyone that's tuning in. Good to see you guys. Hope everyone had a great weekend. And as you can tell from uh, this little title for this evening, you know, it's something I think could be considered an alert. I mean, I think you guys definitely, if you haven't saw this article already, you definitely might uh, want to pay close attention to it because for a couple of reasons. One, it's uh, from a Canadian news source about corporations here in the U.S. And it's one of the things where it's all, we always can learn from history. And according to some things in this article here, it looks like things are setting themselves up possibly for a surprising fall time frame, whether it be September, October, not sure, but I imagine a lot of it will be play, uh, will be tied into this whole China-U.S. negotiation and if it works out, if it doesn't work out, all that stuff happening. But, um, you know, amongst all that, you know, I always like to tell people to follow the money trail and clearly, you know, insiders, those that are that have questions about this whole trade war situation, they're getting out. And so I uh, just want to give you guys a heads up for those that are still inside of these markets at this current time that uh, you should be able to, you should pay attention to what others are doing. So that being the case, welcome to the live stream. My name is Mike, the host of RT Live Talk, Detroit's number one late night YouTube talk show. And uh, as always, want to be uh, short, concise, but yet get straight to the point. If we have any new viewers, the chat's here for you guys to uh, chime in. Let me know where you're watching from. We'll definitely love to acknowledge your presence as well as give you a shout out. And then if you want to talk and share a thought or comment on something tonight, 313-462-0027 is the number to call to give me uh, and let, let us know your thoughts. So uh, let me check in with the chat and see who's tuning in thus far. We got Spirit King here. We got D. Thomas says, we in here. How you doing, D? We got Scott. We got Paul says, yo, Dennis from NYC. How you doing? We got Thomas Economic Consulting LLC says, hello. How you doing? We got Max. We got Tony in the building. We got uh, boots on the ground. <laughs> I like that one. The New York redneck is here. Uh, what else we got here? Excalibur, uh, Sacred Geomet Geometry. Hello. Hola, Mike. How you doing? Yeah, so we got Corpus Christi in the building. Appreciate you for tuning in. As always, low blood pressure. Um, as well as, you know, tonight's primary subject matter is going to be uh, this pending financial situation. And once again, all these articles I come across, I just can't help but to share it and to shine light and just talk about it. And as always, just strategize. I mean, it's one of the things where you can't really be fully prepared for what's unfolding, but it's always good to have a heads up so you can brace yourself as uh, things begin to uh, unfold. Omnibone, Jamika, Kenneth, how you guys doing? So as always, feel free to comment. And if there's any other article that you guys may have come across, definitely let me know in the chat or uh, with that same number there, you can shoot me a text and I'll pull up on the screen and we can talk about it, uh, talk about it more. Um, but what, with that being the case, I want to actually get right into the article. And so if you have, if you guys have not had a chance to uh, see this article, I'll put it in the chat so you can check it out at a later time if you like. And so it's quite lengthy, but I thumbed through it, read through a little bit, and a lot of things stood out to where I'm just, I'm just seeing uh, a pre-great uh, financial crisis time frame again, especially heading to this fall. And so I'll zoom in just so you guys can see a little bit better. And so basically, U.S. corporate insiders selling shares at fastest pace since the financial crisis a decade ago. And so another reason why I wanted to share this because I, I did an 
uh, video, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, about you know being the last one out the door. And I, there's another article I can comment on, but a very well-respected financial advisor came out and mentioned how he sees a whole subprime situation similar to 08, 07, 08, 09 time frame, but yet in, in the passive income territory, dealing with equities, I believe. And he was saying that just so many people involved in our particular sector where it's going to be hard for people to get out. And that's what came to mind with this situation here because we have the insiders, those that are on the board, those that are executives in some of the U.S. top corporations that are in the know and they are able to, based upon foreknowledge and probably just having an insight as to where and the, the profitability of the company, they're able to actually make decisions well before the investors uh, are able to. Therefore, they're already gone. And the thing that's really caught my attention is the amount of money that's leaving, which is basically some record type stuff. And so um, give you an idea of what's going on here. Um, it says, according to the research firm Trim Lab, Trim, Trim Tabs in the month of August, insiders at American companies were selling on average about $600 million worth of shares in their own companies a day. All figures in the U.S. So insiders selling $600 million. So imagine, you know, and they were saying that what makes it so, so unique is that the executives, those on the board, those that are in the top, the, the top of the building on, on the top floors, a good portion of their compensation has to do with them being uh, them getting equity into the company. And so when you got people basically selling out their, their companies, they are basically for, front running the, the idea that that company might not be as strong. And more than likely what it's going to boil down to is if they get out at the top, which is what everyone knows to do, you sell at the top and then what you buy back in at the bottom and basically double or triple what you were holding prior to. And so it says five times this year already, they've sold more than 10 billion worth of stock in a single month. So we're only nine months into this year and already five times this year, 10 billion worth of uh, shares were sold. It says the last time the market saw that much selling uh, that many times in the year was in 2006 and then again in 2007, right before the stock market imploded in late 2008. And so just the title alone, financial crisis, you know, I've been talking about this for several months now. And the the amount of uh, let me see what I'm saying, the the intensity of our talks have become a little bit more believable now. We have more people who might be new to the channel or more people new to the alternative media um, news in general that actually starting to believe and possibly even feel because I would imagine there's some some viewers out here that have had had some some some, some challenges due to whether it be employment, whether it being some of the volatility in the markets, they've seen some fluctuation in their portfolios. And so more people now are probably willing to believe uh, when you see articles like this out of, uh, out of, a, out of a, can, a Canadian news source where it says U.S. corporate insiders are selling at the fastest pace since the great financial crisis. And so the question I want to throw out there to you guys that are watching right now, it says the last time we saw this was pre-Great Recession time frame. So in your opinion, based upon this information, 
and considering considering the source is not even American mainstream news, like how come, you know, let somebody let me know if I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm assuming I haven't seen nothing labeled or titled, you know, insiders in the U.S. is getting out uh, from any new any mainstream source here in America or or in, in North America rather. Um, so, do you think this is just, you know, a, a scare tactic? from the CBC news source, or is this something that you guys would consider newsworthy that more people need to know about? Uh, feel free to let me know in the chat because when you hear and see records being set that hasn't been seen since uh, uh, the past financial hiccup, it's a good warning sign for me to let me know what's going down because they see things unfolding that won't be pleasant to the public. And the bad part is, when you see stuff like this, it's always the people who already have. I, I'm not one of those guys that say, you know, I'm not one of them guys that talks about paying your fair share and all that type of stuff like that. I believe if you worked hard for yours, you earn yours. Whether or not these people who I saw articles talking about, you know, the disparity in pay between CEOs and their workers have grown exponentially over the last couple of decades. And that clearly is not right. But it's a part of this system that we're in now. So, you know, get all you can out of the system while you can is, is what I truly believe everyone should be concerned with. How to get out, how to extract much wealth preservation type of assets out of this system while you can um, before this thing go belly up, as which is what they're doing. So I'm not really mad at them, but I think it's something that we all should pay attention to because even if you have a lot or if you got bare minimum, if it's in this system, if it's in some of these companies that they're talking about, if they're getting out, perhaps it's something that you might want to think about as well. So, um, yeah, but let me check in with the chat. I'm curious to find out you, what you guys think uh, on this whole matter here. Let me go back up to the top. I missed a couple of things. I said CEO and CFO. What else we got? It says, hi, Mike and everybody. Hi, Tony. I'll be bone. It says, sad thing is most everyday people are so caught up in, in their day-to-day that they don't even know or care that they're about to lose savings, 401ks, and retirements. Yeah, Omni, man, that's a great point. And it's for whatever reason. I, I really can't put a finger on it. But every day, I, it seems like I'm researching, looking at articles, newspapers, all about the retirement concept. And so, you know, from having Daniel Amaduri on talking about his latest book, Don't Save for Retirement, I've actually had a chance to, you know, dive into the book further. And so, you know, the word retirement to me, man, is, is one of the things I've always questioned it. And because I, I love history, I love studying history. Um, and I love just reading, going back in the archives and looking at, you know, old newspapers from, you know, 1800s, early 1900s. And, you know, looking up key words. And retirement was not really a word that was over overly sold to the public like it is now. And what I mean by that is there's not a, you know, when, basically when it comes to employment and the commitment of an employee to his employer, the, the selling tactic has been health benefits and a contribution to your retirement plan. And it's one of, you know, it's a self-funded plan now, which makes it a lot different than 20, 30 years ago when people had pensions. So it's different between getting a pension where it's upon the company to carry the load of being responsible for your financial future. But nowadays, and especially since this last great recession, 
401ks and everything of the sort are all solely dependent solely dependent upon the person itself. And most people, majority of people have no financial literacy whatsoever. Nevertheless, um, as Omni, as you mentioned, they're so caught up in just make, you know, making a living, they're not even thinking about their future. So it's a subject matter that I think um, more people will come to the realization that it's been a it's been a hoax. It's been a farce. They've they've tricked us. They've conned us into um, giving up, possibly giving up, depending on what line of work you're in and depending on, you know, how you view the concept of work and your current employment or self-employment, or whatever it is you do. But they've conned the millennial generation, especially in Generation Z. They're going to be the ones that have a chance to wake up because they're going to witness the unfolding, the 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 the, the well, the crash of the, the concept called retirement, as all these things you know becomes obvious that it's you know it's a somewhat of a Ponzi scheme because it's based upon people continuing to put into a system so that the people at the very end of their work careers can then withdraw from it. So, you know, there's not enough people putting in anymore. So it's going to be, it's going to be the governments and the central banks are going to be forced to begin buying equities and bonds and everything else. And so once again, if you got funny money coming in, buying things and where does true value find its place? And then how do you actually, you know, re, you know, get something of value from your um, deposits or your withdrawals after when you get them. So a lot of people are going to be very pissed, put it like that to cut all that short. Sorry about that rambling. Uh, if she doesn't do it today, <laughs> I'm going to unsub if she doesn't do it. Tony, what you talking about, my friend? It says they pulling a Charlie Lee on stock markets. Oh, getting out early. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and to, to talk about Charlie Lee getting out of Litecoin, was it two years ago now? Um, I remember when that happened and whatever his reason was, of course, everybody knows, but I'm still of the mindset, Omni, and I'm sure you might be. You might agree with me a little bit as well. When it comes to that particular coin, there, um, given the fact that it is still scarce in nature, that particular chain is scarce. Five years from now, of barring some technical malfunction or intervention of the of the blockchain space, Litecoin will still be of probably it will be of more value than an overwhelming majority of the fiat currencies on this planet. So, you know, Charlie getting out, basically he'll probably, he probably bought back in some or bought something else, but you know, holding on to a single Litecoin might do you well. Cause it's good to say that, you know, it has a chance of returning to zero, but because of the monetary policy that's about to unfold within the next year, I would be willing to say, you know, I, I personally, if I had the option of choosing one or the other in larger quantities, whether it be shares of, of some FANG stocks, whether it be like Netflix, Amazon, you know, those corporations that are solely built upon consumption and entertainment, I probably would rather hold a lot of shares of Litecoin. That's just me. I, you know, that's just my particular thought there because, you know, it's something that I actually would have in my own possession that once again, people are going to find out, you know, if you don't hold it, you don't own it. And, you know, having a portfolio full of promises to pay, they won't be much good down the line if, um, you know, if the currency is inflated away or if those companies have some issues or when the when the when the overpriced equity markets correct all the, the, the when the air is let out of the Dow and NASDAQ and S&P 
and it corrects like it did in the last crisis. Um, you know, don't be surprised that there be some 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 a lot of pissed people. So that's just my two cents there. <clears throat> so we got Pad. It says Spirit King. Well, I don't know. So we got Spirit King says might big claim LTC more valuable than Fiat's. Um, you know, it's one of the things. It's an opinion. It's opinion piece. Spirit. I'm just saying, as far as looking at the 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 monetary um, aspects of LTC in particular. Just the fact that there there only be eighty five um, million coins minted um, in or brought into existence period is is very exciting when you look at the amount of fiat currency in existence. Referring to the Federal Reserve note, we don't really know, but then on top of that, when things hit the fan as it's going to, you know, we, we, I can't begin to really even tell you how much currency they're going to try to create to prop this thing up i'm I'm definitely thinking trillion if they if for the last great financial crisis they put 4.2 trillion or 4.4 i think it's 4.6 trillion total on their balance sheet which is not even out in circulation it's literally still sitting there and they couldn't get rid of that through quantitative tightening so what i believe is they're going to add at least 8 trillion and of, of which definitely four of that eight trillion that's about to be brought to existence in the next year or two, as a response to the banking contagion that's about to occur, and it's going to start out in Europe because Europe is already in negative rate territory. Therefore, the banks, Deutsche Bank, Commerce Bank, all those banks are about to really start experiencing a pinch because if people aren't borrowing and they can't pass on fees to people because they're pulling their money out. How the banking sector going to last? Therefore, they're going to have to inject some liquidity or ha- have the states take them over or whatever. So that's very favorable for Litecoin because you can't just create, you know, you know, $100 trillion worth of Litecoin out of nowhere. It has to be minted. And so there's a process to bring that into existence. Whereas when Federal Reserve notes and the euros, they about to crank the print and press up so fast. Yeah, man, it's, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see. It says, uh, what else we got here? I saw as well. If you guys have questions or thoughts or something that you want me to make sure I read or touch on, highlight at Rethinking a Dollar so it'll stand out so I know exactly uh, what's going on here. Nicholas Fleming, I appreciate that, my friend. Pat says, Mike, gold and silver are pulling back hard tonight. Yeah, I know. I saw that. Yeah, I saw that and I kind of got excited. I got excited. Let me pull something up here. Nope, wrong one. I'm gonna pull something up here because I, I got I actually got really excited. I saw that I'm like, man, 1785. Right up my right, that's right in my that's right. I like that. I dig that. So let me see. Let me look at this. So I'm look I'm going to SD Bullion and check out these prices. And so I saw that. And it's it is well, I, I and I don't follow the metals daily, so I don't really care about the paper price of them. And so here, you know, it looks like it got up to, let me make sure it moves out the way. So we got up to some all some relatively high, 1957 now it's down to 1796. So that's a nice little dip there. Um, are, you know, my question for you guys, you know, and seeing that type of movement, you know, A, are you surprised? And B, are you mad? Let me know in the chat. Are you mad? Are you surprised? Because, you know, for me, once again, I'm not looking forward to, Prices that are well beyond my ability to acquire metals uh, at the drop of a dime or whatever I want to, 
And so, once again, after seeing this now, you know, it kind of got me excited. So, I definitely have to take advantage of this opportunity uh, to do what I do. And so, let me know in the chat. Let me check in the chat and see <laughs> how you guys feel about that. I'm not surprised whatsoever. It says, what does a permanent slowdown look like? Leslie, a permanent slowdown. Is that a question for me or is it in response to somebody else? So, permanent slowdown. Um, I'm not sure exactly um, how to really define a permanent slowdown other than, um, and actually, I had a great conversation today with uh, Charles Hugh Smith, and I, and I, that, that permanent slowdown came up. I think he mentioned something like that, and I refer to it as a an economic slowdown, and he said things, you know, what if the Federal Reserve, Federal Reserve go to zero and nothing happens? And it's a continuous slowdown. So that permanent slowdown comes to mind there as far as uh, what he mentioned. A permanent slowdown basically to me just means a a backwards movement or lack of growth. And so like the either, not economy don't necessarily flatline, but yet monetary policy and fiscal policy has no real effect on creating growth still to where they're fighting deflation and inflation in different you know industries or whatnot. And so I can see that kind of being an even kill permanent slowdown situation where it's just a neutral uh, economy. And it's bad for business, but it's good for the consumers. But once again, monetary policy is not designed for the consumer to benefit. And the proof of the pudding is that with the mandate of price stability, that's defined as 2% inflation. So, the monetary policy is designed that over time, purchasing power is lost so that they can continue to expand the monetary supply itself. And so if they don't expand the monetary supply and there's no increase in prices over time, that's going to be def- deflationary, then that's a problem. So um, a permanent slowdown would probably result in a flat line of the economy eventually, and then that would mean a definite recession. But because things have been so artificially strung along, you know, that's why Jerome Powell mentions is he, he, he mentions he has to keep this expansion going because once this expansion stops, you know, oh, well, that, that goes that goes the monetary system that we've known to this day because monetary policy has proven uh, or monetary policy, policy has ran its course to where. You know, it's not much central banks can do anymore. The tools that they talk about they have, we already saw what tools they can implement. And it's going to be something with creating more Federal Reserve notes and euros and and pesos and any currency out there. That's all they can create more of. Therefore, that's more competition for the currency notes that you save and the currency notes in your portfolios. All that's going to have more competition. And there's no winner in that. And so a good analogy to better understand what I'm trying to get across, if it, if I can, is that if you have, I like I, I like to use you know a Coca Cola, you know if that's a, a drink, a you know, favorite drink, whatever. Not my favorite drink, but it's just a drink. And so you know how how the the, the strength of a Coke is one of the things where if you're not a Coke drink, you drink one and it just tingles your third a little bit. And so you know you're drinking a Coke, you can tell that it's that it's, it's it has that kick. But what the monetary policy has been doing over the last couple of years, they've been putting water in that Coke. I mean, literally, Coke is probably not as strong as it used to be, but they've been watering down. They've been diluting the potency of that drink to where eventually 
you know how dark is, is a dark black drink. You put in so much stimulus, you put in so much, you know, water to try to keep people to food and thinking that Coke is still a Coke. Eventually, the water going to turn light brown and then eventually the water going to turn clear because once again, you can only inject so much artificial water or stimulus into the economy without an actual demand for it to where it's going to dilute the purchasing power or dilute the beverage or whatever it is, metaphorically speaking. So that's what the central banks have been doing since the Great Recession. They've been diluting the markets. They've been diluting the economy. And even in a conversation earlier, it was the whole idea that we're witnessing capitalism come to an end because, you know, if, if you can't invest money and receive a yield, then what that's, that's, that takes away from the idea of investing your capital. And so that's why you hear MMT being brought up a lot. That's why you hear socialism and you got a whole political ideology on one side saying it's time to forgive debt. It's time to give people unlimited or a universal basic income because capitalism has been diluted <laughs> with monetary stimulus. So, um, yeah, I, you know, it's there is no answer to this matter other than a restructuring and a redo of monetary policy. If it's centrally controlled from a private institution, there's no way everyone can win. There will be winners and there will be losers. And unfortunately, I, I'm not confident in, in, in the powers that be and, and mankind itself. Mankind, unfortunately, can't solve their own problems because of greed and corruption and everything else. So saying all that, we're in big trouble. Big trouble. But that's just my two cents there. As always, feel free to give me a call. Let me know. Because uh, if not, if no one shares in or lets you know I'm wrong, then we're going to, uh, I'm going to just keep renting. Um, and so low blood said Coke is 99% water. And so it's water mixed with syrup and all that other stuff, which gives it its, which gives it its flavor. And so no one would go buy a Coke bottle. No one would go buy a clear Coke bottle if they knew it was water. They buy it because of all the other chemicals in there that gives it its flavor, taste, and all that other stuff, caffeine, whatever, everything in that stuff. That's what people buy it for. Now, they continue to stimulate putting in, like, pure H2O with no nothing in it, trying to, you know, keep that keep it, keep it topped off. How many pores can you, you know, top it off before a thing becomes clear itself? So, yeah, just my little two. So that's just an example I've been wanting to use for a while. Omnibone, I'm Charlie says, does the sun, does the sun have gold in it? And is there gold and solar flares? I've been wondering lately. Omni, um, and I, not, not to sound like a smart aleck about, about that, but I have no clue. And here, I mean, I'm going to share with you my guess. And my guess is going to be from my only source of, of, uh, of information that, is it, it has some, some history behind it. And so once again, I don't bother to venture off this planet and talk about things and with astrology and things outside this atmosphere, because once again, I don't really believe we've been told the truth about that. And so, you know, you know, there's a problem when you got a good portion of the population say the earth is flat and then you got other people to say it's round. So when we can't agree what the planet looks like and we own this damn thing, that's because the information has they've given us is, is is something's wrong. So to go to the sun and go to the moon to the Mars, you know, you know, did we go to the moon in, in the sixties? There's a lot of people say we didn't. And so once again, 
I wasn't around, so I can't tell you that. So that's why I'm like, I don't even really you know about it. So answer your question. Is gold exists outside this planet? Um, I wouldn't doubt that it does, but it's one of the things where I don't think we're going to find out in this lifetime. It's just my opinion. And whether it does or it doesn't, we have issues today. So 10, 20 years from now, if someone go to Mars and dig up a rock, that's 10 years from now. Between now and 10 years, we're going to have a, a financial meltdown where the chance of that, the, the supply of gold being distorted or the technology being put out in existence that can that can replicate gold and silver might be a little ways away, if not hard to do on a massive scale. So uh, gold could be there. I doubt it. I believe the sun, you know, like God placed it there for a purpose. It, you know, we orbit the sun. The sun is to give us life, give us light. All the things that God put it there for, that's what I believe it's there for. Solar flares, I don't think so, but I, I you know, I'm not a, you know, into that type of stuff directly. And so said, Danny says, uh, six months ago, 1200 gold. Now it's costing more than 25% of our American dollars. My question is who's charging us the 25%, 30% more from these last six months? Excuse me, Danny. Great question. The, the, the paper price in metals is set on the papers, Comex, LBMA, the bullion markets. The, the, there's a, a few institutions in the Eastern hemisphere um, let me see. Speaking of which, of which one, I think it's Saxos, Saxos Bank. One bank just dropped out of that pool of price setters. They just dropped out. I wonder why. And so as of now, there's three, four, five banks that have a like a, a early morning phone call, an early morning something or another, where they determine according to paper contracts and all that stuff like that. They determine the the paper price for the day. And with futures and stuff like that, they basically play with future supply as if like there's billions of, of gold and silver that can come out of the earth by next year. But they have billions worth of shares and paper contracts trading. So all that manipulation is what they use to set the price. They've been doing it for quite some time now. So um, it's one of the things where when, 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 when the activity on the paper market and all the, the, the bullion bank, financial institution banks, when all that stuff gets heated up, that's when it looks like the the price of metals move because there's more people looking to actually get physical silver and gold. Therefore, you know, it becomes a little bit harder to, to, to man, manipulate those prices the way they do. So, uh, that's my little two cents on that. But you know, there's a lot of other people out there that can give you more precise, like some Ted Butler's, you got Bill Murphy, those people, they've been studying this stuff their whole life. So they know exactly how it works and how they keep this manip manipulation going. For some reason, I struggle with the word manipulation. Hmm. Anyway, keep it moving. What's going on in the chat? Feel free to let me know. Anybody called in yet, so may, you might not want to talk to me. And so Low Blood Pressure says, the energy needed to recreate gold is too great to make it worthwhile. Yeah, Low Blood Pressure, I've heard that before. So um, that's why I say that it's one of the things where I'm sure, it's no doubt people can probably come up with some type of technology to get that done. But it's one of the things where, can it be done, can it be done in a cost-effective manner? Uh, you know, as you mentioned, no, I believe it's the same way. So that's where we stand. But the problem at hand, the issues at hand is there are still millions of people in the U.S. I would probably say a third of the U.S. that are involved or actively involved in a workforce that by default, they're passive investors by default. So getting back to what I mentioned earlier about how it's been second nature in this uh, you know, the industrial age has ended. We're now in the technological age 
and nothing's changed advice-wise since the great financial crash. Nothing changed as far as education and teaching our kids in school. But yet, you know, policy has changed things. Indebtedness has changed things. And people are still doing the same thing. And so uh, let, me, let me try to find this article. There's an article, man, last week about, um, I think it was somebody from, from BlackRock mentioned, uh, it, was, it was something about, the people who are who, the people who are going to lose the most are the people who are still doing the same thing, and referring to looking at bonds as a safe haven, like they've been looked at for a century or for decades. You know, bonds has always been a, a no-brainer for people, but yet once again, apart from treasuries, which are the only bonds that people are, you know, can actually get a yield on, barely. That you know, it doesn't really. It's not really a yield because it doesn't really beat inflation, but it's better than definitely going negative. As that become a problem, you know, once again, where can you go to earn a yield unless you're an active investor or a trader, unless you know what you're doing, uh, which most people, unfortunately, don't have the time, energy, effort to learn it. So once again, they just they, they sit in things like this while you have insiders, CEOs, CFOs, board members, executives, they're already getting out. And, you know, for those that are just tuning in, I was talking about how this article here is a Canadian news source, but it talks about, you know, the last time there's been so many, there's 600 million worth in the last couple of months and 10 billion, five times uh, this month, at least five billion, 10 billion were taken out as far as the people in the know selling their shares. And so, you know, I'm not a financial advisor, so I, I can't give advice or opinion, but, you know, for me personally, it doesn't take, you know, a PhD degree to see that if you got people selling at the top, like we could be at the top. And even though I know the Dow and all the equities, they're going to go higher, but it won't be, it won't be, they won't go higher in my opinion, because generation Z millennials decide to go ahead and invest more when they're already tapped out. So where's those funds going to come from to make it go higher? It's going to be the federal reserve. It's going to be literally central banks pumping up the price to keep the illusion of, people's portfolios growing but once again all they're really doing is I the metaphor i gave earlier they're just pouring water into they're diluting the purchasing power by creating and pumping up the asset prices when actually they're not really increasing as far as the true value i mean think about the if the pe ratio the price to earnings ratio for for the equities now is already in alarming territory imagine when federal reserve gets in and starts buying equities directly the p ratio is going to be off the charts and then when that happens you know i mean you know i I, i'm up to the point where i'm like if you know something's wrong and you still not making changes you know yeah yeah i'm leaving alone i think we have a call let's see what's going on uh do we have a call uh we do not have a call we had one give me a call back i'll get you on here but i just wanted to bring this article there's always to your attention I like to keep my people uh, on their toes and keep them thinking and, and, and informed according to the news that's already out there. And that's the thing. All the articles I bring you, they're already old because as you, we're just finding out about $50 billion worth of shares being sold within this nine month period thus far. So that means a lot of people are already out. <laughs> so, you know, this is already old news. But it's not because I've mentioned this before. You know, don't be the last one rushing to the exit thinking you're going to get out 
without, you know, having some issues. That's what it boils down to. That's what it boils down to. So we got another, we got a question here. Let me, I got a question in the chat here from uh, Jag. It says, Mike, during a hyperinflation, would you keep your currency in physical form and watch it half in value or would you purchase Bitcoin knowing it's finite? Good question. <clears throat> and so from that question alone, I would take it that you are a crypto enthusiast or you're a believer in the technology. And so I personally am a, um, am a believer in the technology as well as a disruptor. But more importantly, it's, a, um, it's an outlet out of this system in a temporary store value way. So to answer that question, uh, but well before a hyperinflation, so well before a hyperinflation, I personally wouldn't have more of my earnings, the little bitty crumbs I have. I wouldn't have all my, I wouldn't have all my crumbs in a, in a currency that's already going belly up. So incrementally throughout time, I chose to and continue to, to basically decide to, you know, opt out of that anyway. So I would have been out. I won't, I don't plan on having much remaining in the fiat currency as things unfold anyway. Um, apart from, you know, having some wiggle room, some wiggle cash to be able to acquire some things. But I personally would rather have Bitcoin because Bitcoin will just basically be on the other side of the scale. If a Bitcoin is here, fiat currency is here, all it's going to do is the Bitcoin or the Bitcoin is going to go this way because what do you price Bitcoins in? Federal Reserve notes as of now, primarily if you're in the U.S. So the more the monetary basis you know, expands, the more units it's going to take to get a fraction of a Bitcoin. So Bitcoin has to go up nominally. But then again, it's one of the things where if Bitcoin was a million dollars, but a, a loaf of bread cost a thousand dollars, you know, that's like, you know, okay, that's, you know, you're, you're, you have a lot of value to be able to get more bread than the average person. But in a hyperinflationary environment, you know, the question that will be what way, what outlet do you have of exchanging that Bitcoin or gold or silver into that can retain value and then reposition you for when the new currency is issued and you can still be in good shape, if not begin creating some type of cash flow and not new currency. So, um, the biggest question I think for metal, gold, and gold, silver, stuff like that is, will you have a way to get out of that when that becomes a bubble? So I got a call here. Whatever I go to answer the call, it keeps hanging up on me. Uh, give me a call back and I try to get you in. I apologize, but as I go to click to answer, it it uh, hangs up. So hope that answers your question, um, to say the least. And so what else? What else the guy here says? We the people are the real value. That's why we're corporized and our... And our names are in capital letters only. Corps are spelled in all cap letters. Constantine on the desk forms, Holy Reverend Bank. Danny, yeah. Um, when it comes to that type of information there, you know, yeah, my, my father is really deep into the, the sovereign nature, sovereign man, and going deep into those things. So he's educated me a lot on that. So, yeah, I am familiar with that um, information. So thanks for sharing that. But anyway, people, it's about 39 minutes and I feel like I've been ranting too much. But once again, I want to keep you up to date. I'm about to get ready to dial back. I appreciate everybody spending time with me this afternoon or this evening, rather. If you guys have enjoyed the thumb, the, 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 the chat, don't be afraid to donate a thumbs up. Just click the little button beneath. 
or a thumbs down, whatever floats your boat. If the, if the information is of no value, go ahead and give it a thumbs down. It's okay. And then if you guys are interested, there's a lot of free resources beneath this video. We got the cash gold that I sell, and we got uh, the RTD coin as well. So there's a lot of opportunities for people to um, take advantage of. While prices are still extremely affordable, they're the cheapest they're ever going to be uh, before things really hit the fan. So that being the case, I appreciate everybody hanging out with me tonight. It's been fun. I'll be back tomorrow night, Lord willing, and we can do it again. And if you've enjoyed it and you think there's people out there that need to hear this information, if you got a family or a friend or something like that that perhaps is a skeptic and don't believe a word you're saying, tell them to come join us for a chat, and then you can have them call in, and I can just you know rant at them. And if they don't believe me, they can Google it. And if they don't believe that after they Google it, then perhaps uh, they'll just have to learn the hard way. That's just unfortunate, but that's how it you know usually have to go for some people. But yet, hopefully we can shine some light on them with love. So other than that, be blessed, be safe, and I will see you guys tomorrow night. And other than that, peace.